In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I was really impressed last Sunday. One of you, one of this cathedral's faithful parishioners, came up to me after the service with a question. I cannot always answer complicated questions after church services, and I was not able to give enough time to this question either, but I was impressed. This parishioner had not only been listening to the gospel reading last week, but he had been studying it, studying it in context. Now, you might recall that last week's gospel reading was the famous return of Jesus to his hometown synagogue, where he unrolled the scroll, reads from the book of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it said. And then Jesus declares that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. His hometown neighbors were amazed, and scripture says that they all spoke well of him. But this worshiper, one of you, had read ahead last week. And he asked me something that went like this. Why does the lectionary gospel not complete the story where it says that the people in Jesus' hometown speak well of him, but then just a few verses later, they want to throw Jesus off a cliff. Why is that part missing, he asked. Well, last Sunday after church, I had time enough only to give this answer. I said, you were reading ahead. That is next week's gospel. I'm actually speaking about that part next week, I said. So, it is now next week. Here is the more comprehensive answer. Today's gospel story is about Jesus passing through his hometown. Hometowns are fun to have, but they also represent ambiguity for many of us. Having a hometown, even one we claim later in life, steadies us, centers us, but it can also embarrass us. Hometown is where people are proud of us, but hometown is also where we can be awkward. Like many of you, I usually remember most particularly, only one line in this gospel story we heard today. It's the one that says, No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. 
We've all heard that. Maybe we've even experienced it. But listen closely to the specific words of Jesus and why it was that he said those now famous words. Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. Luke chapter 4, verse 28. Jesus is remembering the famous prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and in particular, he is remembering who they ministered to. A widow in Sidon and a leper in Syria. Maybe those two place names kind of pass right over us, but the places are important. The two things that Sidon and Syria have in common is that they are not Jewish. They are foreign places. The widow in Sidon and the leper in Syria were foreigners. Jesus is saying to his hometown, that his mission will be to the foreigner, not to those from his hometown. And listen to how he, he quotes his own hometown scripture. Example one. There was a great famine in the days of Elijah. There were plenty of widows in Israel, in Israel, but Elijah was sent to a widow in Sidon. Sidon is outside Israel. Example two. When there were plenty of lepers in Israel, Elisha was instead sent to somebody from Syria. Syria is not part of the chosen people. Yes, what happened was that Jesus was declaring his mission to the outsider. He was saying quite plainly that his mission would go beyond the comfortable confines of Nazareth and beyond even the comfortable confines of the Hebrew tradition. Jesus was hinting that 
he did not belong to Nazareth, did not belong to his parents, did not even belong to the synagogue. God's mercy extends to the non-Jew, to people outside the family. In an instant then, the mood of Jesus' synagogue turned from amazement to resentment. They take him out to throw him off a cliff. The reason is both simple and difficult. On one level, it's as simple as your firstborn child deciding that one day she must leave the house, find work for herself, and go out confidently on her own. On another level, it's difficult because the people of Nazareth see something they thought they possessed slipping through their fingers. The problem with the people of Nazareth in today's gospel is not doubt. It was not even because of their unbelief that Jesus did no mighty work there. That's not even mentioned here. The problem is that Nazareth assumed certain privileges for itself and no one else. The people in the synagogue wanted to keep Jesus all for themselves. They were the ones who deserved the favor of God. The problem here is that the possessiveness of Nazareth resented Jesus taking God's favor elsewhere. They did not comprehend a mission to outsiders. In fact, God cares for outsiders throughout the stories of the Bible, as Jesus was so willing to point out to them. But such stories provoked rage in the local folks of Nazareth. Like many of us today, they were in a kind of cultural bondage, imprisoned by their own provincialism, They wanted this favor of God. They didn't want to hear Jesus saying that he's going to take the favor of God elsewhere. And if they can't have God's favor, then no one can have it. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. Somebody once put it this way. Jesus did not go elsewhere because he was rejected. Rather, Jesus was rejected because he went elsewhere. He was rejected because he went elsewhere. There's a condition, a disease common to all humanity, which is present in almost 
every institution we are a part of, family, church, race, nation, it is the fear that God really might favor not just us, but someone besides us too. It's a disease that says, stay here, do not go elsewhere. It's a disease called exclusivity and greed. It's a disease that says to its people, do not take what we have here somewhere else. It's ours. We deserve it. It's a dis-ease that is afraid of outsiders. Why is it that we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that famous chapter about love, which we heard earlier this morning, why is it that we read it only to insiders? We're accustomed to hearing those beautiful words among family and friends, insiders, at weddings, for instance. What if we released 1 Corinthians 13 into the world? What if we read it at political debates or when nations are considering war? Is that great chapter about love meant only for married couples and for small families and our local neighborhood? It's meant for outsiders, too. But usually, we are afraid of the outsider. That's our common dis-ease and discomfort. Jesus has a mighty mission indeed. If he expects to heal this kind of disease and discomfort, it might be violent and vengeful. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus almost dies doing it. Later, he will. But listen. Listen again to how Luke describes what happened then. The last two verses of the passage say, They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them, and went on his way. Luke 4.30 He passed through the midst of them. Luke does not explain how this happened. It seems somehow miraculous that Jesus simply walked through an angry and riotous crowd who wanted to kill him. I think it was a miracle. And I believe that the same thing can happen 
through us. Perhaps Jesus can walk through us. We, who can be just as angry and greedy and possessive as the people of Nazareth, perhaps in spite of our possessiveness, Jesus can go about his mission through us. That is a great miracle. Jesus is always with us, yes, but he's always also going somewhere else, too. Jesus always seems to be saying that, doesn't he? Hey, folks, I've got to go. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stop and see this person beside the road. That person up in a tree. In fact, I'm going to the outsider. The point is, Jesus wants to take his hometown with him. He walks through them so that they might turn and walk with him. Jesus walks through us so that we can let him love through us too. Yes, Jesus looks for people who will accept him and his mission, and then who will let him go. He'll proclaim the Lord's favor somewhere else, too. Let go and let the favor of God be proclaimed. Let those around us and outside us be healed, too. Release the mission of God. Jesus passed through the midst of them. He had a mission to fulfill, and he still does. Jesus walks through us so that he can love through us too. Amen.